So just to, to set the scene for what we're going to move into in a few moments, Anita's going to lead us in some words from Hebrews. Words that describe the nature of what the Bible means by faith and what is demonstrated in the lives of thousands and thousands of people. It's at the beginning of that chapter that describes actions of men and women who were convinced of the hope that lay ahead of them and were committed to acting out of that hope. For, writes the, the writer to Hebrews, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let's repeat that. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then he goes through the whole list of people who had demonstrated that truth in their lives. They had confidence in what they hoped for. They were so full of confidence in God, not confidence that it would happen or this would just happen because they believed it would happen. No, their confidence is in the God who gave them that hope and what his promises were, as we were hearing quite a lot this morning in Nigel's sermon. And they had an assurance deep within them about what they couldn't see. That's the nature of the Christian faith. And Anita's going to help us to understand how that might be worked out in practice now as we take those truths forward. Good evening. There's another passage from Scripture that I'd like to read to you as well about the subject of increasing our faith. From Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Amen. If we could put that into practice, then we could all just go home, couldn't we? But we would love to have great faith, and for many of us, we struggle to actually put it into practice. So that's what tonight is about. And as Joe has already mentioned, we're taking George Muller as our teacher tonight. Um, hopefully you've all heard of him, but if you're not sure, George Muller founded orphanages in Bristol in the 19th century. And he was known as the man who got things from God because he relied so completely on God for all of his needs and the needs of the orphans that he was working for. 
He raised thousands and thousands of pounds without ever actually asking for money, just through his prayer that God would provide. And they reckon that uh, in today's money, he raised over a million pounds. Thousands of children were rescued and blessed through the work that he did. But as he would want to say, they were blessed by God, who was faithful. So I'm going to read you some extracts from a sermon that George preached towards the end of his life when he was explaining, I think he must have been in the States uh, on tour, and explaining how his faith worked. So he says, first of all, what is faith? In the simplest manner in which I am able to express it, I answer that faith is the assurance that the thing which God has said in his word is true and that God will act according to what he has said in his word. This assurance, this reliance on God's word, this confidence is faith. And if you were here this morning at one of the services, you would have heard Nigel talking about that confidence in God's promises, which fits very well with what we're going to think about tonight. Um, George Muller then goes on in this sermon to say, it's not about how you feel. It doesn't matter if you feel full of faith or not. He says it doesn't matter whether something is likely to happen or not in human terms. That's got nothing to do with it, he said. If it looks really unlikely, doesn't make any difference because it's about what God is like, not about what we think is likely. It's not about what appears to be. It's only about what God has promised in his word. And so taking up George's words again, he says, beloved Christian friends, ask yourselves whether you are in the habit of studying God's promises and whether you ask God if the thing you want is in accordance with what he has said in his word. Secondly, he says, how may faith be increased? God delights to increase the faith of his children. Our faith is feeble at first, but it's developed and strengthened more and more. We must allow God to educate us through trials, bereavements, and troubles. We should receive them from his hands as evidence of his love and care for us because it develops more and more that faith which he wants to strengthen in us. He says, when I first began to allow God to deal with me, relying on him, taking him at his word, and I set out 50 years ago, relying on him for myself, my family, my taxes, my travel expenses, and every other need, I rested on the simple promises I found in the sixth chapter of Matthew which, funnily enough, Nigel mentioned this morning. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. Your Father knows that you need these things. Seek first his righteousness, and all will be given to you. He said, I rested on that scripture. I practiced it. I took God at his word. For the past 51 years, I have had great difficulties and trials, but God has sustained me through them and delivered me now out of them. Not because I am a man of great mental power or because I'm endowed with energy and perseverance. That is not the reason, he says. It is because I have confided in God. I have sought God and he has cared for the work which I have done. 
Do not, he says, expect to obtain full faith all at once. I do not believe in it, he says. In fact, I've edited it. He said it about eight times in the original sermon. (laughs) The little I did obtain, I didn't obtain it all at once, he said. Begin over and over again, staying your soul on the word of God, and you will have an increase of your faith as you exercise it. One more thing. Some say, oh, I'll never have the gift of faith that Mr. Muller has. This is a mistake, he says. It is the greatest error. My faith is the same faith that all God's children have. It's the same faith as Simon Peter had. And all Christians may obtain the same faith. My faith is the same as theirs, though there may be more of it, because my faith has been a little more developed by exercise than theirs, but it's precisely the same. Finally, my brothers and sisters, begin in a little way. At first, he says, I was able to trust the Lord for $10, then for $100, then for $1,000, and now, with the greatest ease, I could trust him for a million dollars, if there was occasion. Might bear in mind that this was written in 1870. But first, I should quietly, carefully, deliberately examine and see whether what I was trusting for was something in accordance with his promises in his written word. There ends the lesson from George Muller. It would have been wonderful to hear him preaching. So I wonder what struck you most out of that sermon. There's a phrase that struck me a lot, and that was that he took God at his word, capital W, he took God at his word. If you take someone at their word, it means that you trust what they say, and that's true of God, isn't it? We can trust him and take him at his word. But when you give it a capital W and you think about the promises in scripture, then it has a whole new level of power, doesn't it? He took God at his word. If God says, do not worry about these things, your father knows that you need them, then he took that promise as true and he stood on it and he exercised his faith like a muscle. It's the same God today the same faith as he's very quick to point out. There's very good evidence for having faith. Three reasons. One, the resurrection. Two, that there are so many promises in God's word for us to trust in. And three, that we know what Jesus is like and therefore we know what God is like if we look to Jesus. And so we know the character of Jesus and the character of God that he is loving and that he is trustworthy. So the resurrection, the promises of God in scripture and the character of God. So we too can learn to exercise our faith muscles. Are you ready for some exercises? Limbering up? Maybe just the hand one might be be safest. So what I realized, when I studied this sermon and thought about it, George's sermon, I realized that it came to me in a kind of diagram form about what's going on and how we can practically apply it in our own lives. So on your tables, you've got a scroll. If you'd like to unscroll the scroll, there's um, plenty of room on the tables if you want to come and get one, or come and get one from the front here, this one that's not being used. 
It's a little diagram. It looks a bit like the one on the screen there. You can uh, feel free to write on this if you want to. There's pens on the table, so you can scribble on there as you fancy. So George Muller started with the word circumstances. So top right, you can find that. He started off by examining his circumstances before God and focusing on exactly what the problem was and exactly what he needed. Circumstances might have been really dire or they might have been okay, just something more that was needed. For him, he wanted to set up orphanages but had no money, no building, no children, no staff, etc. That was the, the circumstance of his main of his main work. But it could be anything in our daily lives as well. He started off with the circumstances and then he turned to God's word and looked at God's promises. He studied scripture, he began to learn those things and in, of course in those days you would learn everything by rote so he had them just like that. I wish I had that. And he found promises that seemed to speak into his situation and he prayed about them. And then as he prayed, he he asked God to show him, what is it exactly that I should be asking for in this situation? And when he felt that he was beginning to form something that he needed to ask for, he then prayed again, God, is this right? Is this what you want me to ask for? Is this the, rest, the, the right thing to ask for? And when he felt sure, then he prayed again, and he kept praying. His prayer was specific, and it was persistent, it was humble. And when he prayed, he trusted that God would act, so he made space for God to act. He did something himself, which made it possible for God to show that he was answering his promises. You've heard the phrase, you've got to step out of the boat in order to see God at work. There's that lovely book title, isn't there? If you, what is it, how's it go? Um, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. That's you doing your bit to allow God to do his bit. So George got out of the boat and showed that he believed in what was going to happen. For example, if you prayed for somebody today, that you prayed that they would get in touch with you because you were concerned about them, it would be a good idea to check your phone, to check your emails, to see whether they had got in touch with you. You might pray about it and ask God to act but there's something that you have to do to show that you're you know, expecting God to work and you're looking for him to be at work. You have to do something as well. Otherwise, they might get in touch, but you might never know because you didn't bother to do anything about it. And finally, when George had prayed and he'd acted, he would then record what happened. And we're not saying that every single thing he asked for always came true and, and happened exactly, but we're saying that he always wrote down what happened and wrote down... Um, you know, what God did and what he did and so on. And he talks about how he had at least 50,000 prayers that he knew had been answered for specific things. So he recorded them in his prayer journal, he praised God, and then he went again. And maybe the next time something else came up, he would pray again and go through the whole process again. So we're going to have a go at putting this into practice ourselves. So um, we're going to give you a little pack per table. And...